No, God bless you. We pray God's blessings upon his people. Faith is not negotiating with God, right? Remember Jephthah? Oh God, the first thing that comes out of my my house. Remember Gideon? Faith is not coming to God with different tactics, right? You know, do it this way or do it that way. It's not negotiating. It's not things like, you know, I'm going to get others to to pray the same prayer over and over and over again as if that's going to affect or change God's mind. It's not about offering longer prayers or better prayers. That's, that's, not, that's not faith. It's not about bringing large sums of money to the church. That, that's not faith. That's not faith. Numbers chapter 22, please. Faith is not doing these things to get your way or to get what you want. You know, I'm going to serve God and live for God because things aren't going my way. And then as soon as things change, I'm going to go back to living the way I used to live. That's not living by faith. So there's a man, there's a prophet, a fallen prophet. And at this, you know, he's got this stage of life where he's going to mediums and, and, and seers. He's a false prophet. But he's also God's prophet. So he's God's prophet who turns into a, an evil prophet. His name is Balak. And Balak the king comes to this man of God because he knows that at one time this man was a prophet of God and he asks if this man, he says, will you please do me a favor? I want you to curse Israel. And God says, Balak, don't go talk to that man. Don't go and do what he wants you to do. I want to look at the negotiating strategy, right, in Numbers. Chapter 22, begin, if you will, at verse 7. You go back and read the context. Let's just grab some thoughts. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hand. And they came to Balak and repeated Balak's words to him. And he said to them, Spend the night here, and I will bring word back to you as the Lord may speak to me. And the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. So just listen to the account, right? They bring fees for divination, and Balaam says, what do you want? And they said, well, Balak wants you to curse God's people. And Balaam says, stay here for a minute, hold on to the money, I'm going to go ask God what he thinks. Does that even make sense? Look at chapter uh, 24 in verse 1. And the reason they brought fees of divination, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to seek omens, but he set his face toward the wilderness. In other words, when he realized that God wasn't going to change his mind. But let's go back and look at chapter 22 again in verse 9. Let me show you where where the matter should have ended. In the eyes of Balaam. Verse 9. And God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent word to me. Behold, there is a people who came out of Egypt, and they cover the surface of the land, 
Now come curse them for me. Perhaps I may be able to fight against them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam arose in the morning and said to Balak's leaders, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. And the leaders of Moab arose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Now let me, let me explain to you when you read the text. Balaam is not happy that he can't go. Because he wants the money. He wants the gold, right? God said, don't go. Do not go. Does he go? Y'all know the account. Of course he goes. And you say, well, you know, God told me it was okay. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What did God tell you? God said, do not go. But for some reason, the idea of negotiating is in their minds that, you know, maybe we can negotiate with God in a different way. Maybe God didn't mean what he said. Maybe what God was saying and what God was thinking wasn't quite right. Verse 15, please, of Numbers 22. Then Balak sent leaders more numerous and more distinguished than the former. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I beg you, hinder you from coming to me. For I will indeed honor you richly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Please come then, curse this people for me. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything either small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord my God. And now please, You also stay here tonight, and I will find out what else the Lord will speak to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to you to call you, rise up and go with them, but only the word which I say to you, you shall do. So Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the leaders of Moab. So you might say, well, see, God did change his mind. Did he? I mean, you you know the account. That's why there was a donkey in the way. What did God say? God said, do not go. Shouldn't Balaam have just said, you know, even though you offered me all this money, I get it, but I can't go because God said not to. I'm not going to go talk to God. He already said no. But that's not what he did. So they tried different locations, right? It's almost like, you know, you're sitting there, you're trying to, you know, you go fishing and you're like, okay, maybe if I just hold this foot up and maybe then the fish will bite, right? Maybe if I do this, I'll do that. If I do something different, maybe if I go to God over here, God will hear me. Maybe God can't hear me here, but God can hear me there. Numbers 23 and verse 11. They're negotiating with God at changing locations. Verse 11, they Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, but behold, you've actually... Bless them. And he answered and said, Must I not be careful to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, Please come with me to another place and from where you may see them, although you will only see the extreme end of them and will not see all of them and curse them for me from there. What? So we got to change our location. And then he does it again. And then he does it again. Let's grab verse 25. Then Balak said to Balaam, Do not curse them or at all, nor bless them at all. 
But Balaam answered and said, Whatever the Lord speaks, that I must do. Then Balak said to Balaam, Please come, I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will be agreeable with God that you curse them for me from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, which overlooked the wasteland. And Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here, and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me here. And Balak did just as Balaam had said, and offered up a bull and a ram in each altar. And remember chapter 24, normally Balaam would go to an omen, but this time he realized, you know, God really isn't going to change his mind. You see, Balaam really believed that God would change his mind. You go back and you read chapter 22 through 24, and you realize that Balaam was not really the man you think he is. Balaam was not a man who lived by faith. So faith is not expecting God to do what I want. That's not faith, right? Sometimes we think that's faith, but that is not what faith is. Let's go back to Habakkuk, please, for just a moment. Faith is not sitting back and doing nothing. Faith is not trying to stress about something as if the stress will change the situation. That's not, that's not faith. Here's what God is not. God is not a genie, right? You know, you make three wishes, it comes true. I think sometimes we get things mixed up. And when we get them mixed up, we find ourselves in in a very difficult situation. And it's our faith. Habakkuk says, I I have to stand and watch because here's what I thought. I thought that God, number one, was not listening. Number two, God didn't really care because he wasn't going to do anything anyway. Really. In the midst of trials and tribulations, we find ourselves fearing or struggling in our faith. The question is, as in Habakkuk, what should we do? Verse 3. The vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come and will not delay. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. Turn to Philippians, please, chapter 1. We must believe that even though God may seem silent, as if He's doing nothing, we must believe that God is working. God is working. God is alive. To think that God is not working, maybe we think God's not alive. God is working every second, every moment of every day. And God is fulfilling His promises over and over and over and over again in your life individually and in our lives collectively, in my life. God is working. God is working. God is working. God is punishing the evil for wickedness. God is rewarding the righteous for their lives. But there are things that we see and that we witness that sometimes makes us wonder 
if God is really taking care of us. Don't get confused. Don't get confused. That's why you read the Old Testament passages where you're reading a book like Habakkuk and you find the Babylonians came. And if they did, if the Jews would have done what God told them to do, and those who did, those who did were blessed. They were blessed for those 70 years. Those who did not were cursed. Those who did not suffer the consequences that God promised to bring to them because God delivered them, but he delivered them into captivity. And you go, wait, what kind of deliverance was that? It's kind of like Christian deliverance, right? He left captives a host of captives. We were captive of Satan's schemes and evil and wickedness. We came to Christ and we were led into another kind of captivity. Thank God for this one, right? He left captives a host of captives. Ephesians chapter 2. God is delivering. And so God delivered his people into the hands of the Babylonians, but he took care of them while they were there. And remember the lesson a few weeks ago. What did God say? Do not go to Egypt. Don't trust in horses. Don't trust in chariots. Don't trust in men. Trust in me. Surrender to Babylon. And those who listened were blessed. And those who did not were cursed. What is God's will for me? We may find ourselves in our walk of faith shaken just a bit. Right? You've been there, haven't you? You've been shaking at a time or two. You, you've wondered a time or two in your walk of faith. You've wondered, God, what's the right thing to do? Lord, where do you want me to be? And then there was ideas in your mind. Well, maybe God wants this. And maybe God, and you didn't sometimes, you didn't quite know. But you held on. And then here we are today. The righteous will live by faith. Not faith for results. But whatever the will of God is. So Philippians chapter 1, I just want to review real quickly uh, this. Verse 21, I, I mentioned this in Bible class this morning. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. That is very much better. What? Right? What is, what is he talking about? What do you mean it's better to die? Now, if you're a Christian, don't you want to go home? I mean, we all want to go home, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I think. I, I don't know. Paul says it's, it's better to go home to be with God. You see, I'm walking by faith. Now, I want to review for just a moment. In the book of Daniel, that, we're going to go to Job first. Job chapter 13. I want to review for just a moment this understanding of these saints who are talking to us about God. What if things aren't going to go your way and there's no indicator that things will ever get better? What do you do? Walk away from God? Many Christians that Just walk away. There's no indicator that things are going to get better and walk away. Isn't God worthy just based on who He is and what He's done? Right? Regardless of what we go through in life, God is worthy just simply based on who He is and what He's done. But you know what happens? We don't like it when things don't go our way. Well, in Christ and out of Christ, things aren't always going to go your way. Right? Because we realize as humans, we are not in control. But oh, how we love it when we are, don't we? So Job, 
in, in chapter 13, in verse 13, sometimes God delivers in one way. Other times God delivers in another way. But God always delivers. Whether it be releasing us from the captivity of this flesh. Or whether it be releasing us from our situation that we're in. He always delivers. Job 13, in verse 13. Listen to what Job says. Job says, be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come on me what may. Why should I take my flesh and my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. Job says, even, even if I die, I'm going to hold my faith and my confidence all the way to the end. Remember our three friends in Daniel? Our three friends in Daniel, Daniel's three friends, they were standing before uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had in his mind that when the, you hear the, the satraps and the, the, everything you hear, all the sound of music, you are to bow down and surrender to me. And you got to love as these men stood in the face of Nebuchadnezzar, the king, and what they said to him in chapter 3 and verse 17. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But, even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or to worship the golden image that you have set up. So in other words, they're saying, look, it doesn't matter what God's answer is. That's the answer that fits for us. We accept God's answer. Whatever your answer is, God, when we pray, if it's God's will, you got to mean that. Lord God, whatever your will is, if that's what it's supposed to be, that's what it has to be. I remember speaking to a, a lady, she was a nurse, and um, she was, uh, she had a stroke and uh, some other uh, problems with her, and she had to frequently go to the hospital, and, and I remember a member had said to her, oh, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, and she said, why not me? Why not me? Now I get to go up into the hospital where I used to work, and I get to preach Jesus to all of them. Why not me? And everyone was mesmerized, like, what, what, you know, what? Whatever God's will is, it's not that we want these things. It's not that we want these things to happen in our lives. But if it's going to be this way, it's going to be this way. And we have to learn to accept the will of God, whatever it may be. Lamentation chapter 3. Do you have faith? Do you have the kind of faith that God expects of us? Living by faith is that assurance to God, right? To God's people, rather, that God will keep His promise. That God has kept His promises. And so the Babylonians came through and they swept through Judah. I mean, they swept through Jerusalem and they just demolished that place. They took some folks off to Kibar and some folks off to Susa. They left some folks down in Jerusalem. All they had to do was listen. But they did not. And so they suffered. But while suffering, Jeremiah is walking through the streets of Jerusalem. 
And he's looking around. He's looking at all the devastation. And in verse 21, this I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. Why do we even sing that song? I hope we believe it. We sing it, but do we believe it? Great is Thy faithfulness. Here's a man standing in in, in the, the midst of just abject poverty at this moment and struggle. And he says, great is God's faithfulness? Yeah. Yeah, God is faithful. We close in Jeremiah, please. Chapter 18. That promise of redemption and restoration from God and for God's people, the promise came true. The promise was there. Living by faith means that we remember something and we accept this one thing. We remember something and we accept this one thing. I am the clay and he is the potter. And the potter has the right over the clay forever. And so as the clay, I must accept the molding from the potter and enjoy it. In the sense, enjoy meaning, because I'm giving glory to Him. Jeremiah 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I shall announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there was... He was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Can God do that with you? Will you allow him to? Eventually we'll surrender because we'll know we have no choice. But can we not accept, God, if this is my, my lot in life, help me to be your vessel of honor through this and help me to bring glory and honor to your name. And help me, Lord God, through all this struggle to live by faith. COVID. Live by faith. And everything else, cancer, flu, 
different disabilities, struggles, and life, and death. Just got to live by faith. In church, we just have to trust Him. We just have to trust Him. Because here's one thing I want to close out with saying. God knows what's best for me. Does He know what's best for you? The lesson is yours this morning. I hope and pray that something was said to strengthen your faith, to encourage you. If you're not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to Him in the waters of baptism, to give your life to Jesus, and then to walk with God from henceforth for the rest of your life. If you're a child of God and you're struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made on your behalf, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?